It's a Mega Man rock opera and the Mega Man rock opera prequel. Hello and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers Part 2. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 26, Attack of the Autobots. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Sure. Today we open at the Ark with the Autobots repairing something when the Decepticons attack. Prowl has a confrontation with Laserbeak. By Prowl now, kids, he comes with a rad grappling hook accessory. You know you want it. Tubular! <laughs> Thundercracker and Skywarp shoot at Optimus, and he tries to save Ratchet bridal-style, but the explosion throws them both face-first onto the ground. No one's having a good day here. No one is having a good day here. Rumble then, like, does his thing and sends Optimus and Ratchet into a crevice. Elsewhere, Megatron and Starscream prepare to storm the Ark by spraying each other with invisibility spray. Oh, right. The stuff that they'll never do anything with ever again. Does does no one ever think of using these things, like, seriously? Do they ever think this stuff through? We both know they don't. Soundwave is the only cap- one capable of planning ahead, and no one listens to him enough, obviously. I guess. And then, then these two, they just walk smack dab into the Ark. The Autobots don't have any sort of scanning crap for their front door based on weight, heat signatures, something. I mean, I thought they had a camera when Nightbird turned up. Um, or something, they had a camera at some point, but it looks like they just got rid of their anti-ninja floor, which would have maybe helped here. Possibly. But then Megatron and Starscream enter the main Teletran 1 room and press a button, revealing two beds, or recharging chambers, rather. Oh, what does this tell us about the Autobots? Rather too much, I think. <laughs> Megs tells Starscream to hand him the personality disruptor. Oh, God. And then he just, like, plonks the thing into the machine. We're in the Teletrium 1 room, right? Like, this this is really the plan we're going with instead of blowing it up or something? Or sabotage. Sabotage! Yeah! I mean, I guess this is sabotage of a kind, but, but boy, in a very roundabout way. Everyone just wants to fuck with each other's heads. We already know that. I guess we are talking about Megatron and Starscream. It's like their MMO or their I am the modus operandi. Yes. <laughs> and then these two just, you know, trot off outside and then take off. And Megatron is laughing maniacally about the Autobots experiencing a transformation they won't expect the next time they go to sleep. Is he Freddy Krueger now? I guess. <laughs> the crossover no one asked for. <laughs> well, someone might have asked for it. I don't know. Back with Rumble, he's kneeling at the edge of the crevice he created earlier, wondering why he didn't hear Ratchet and Optimus hit the bottom. Optimus and Ratchet come out magically flying and say, because we'd rather hit you. Okay. It's so dumb, I can't hate it. (laughs) Unfortunately, the mental image that I have of this, because I don't actually remember what happens, is that they're just, like, doing side hugs. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think they both come out punching or something, but I don't remember. Yes, but what I'm seeing is, like, side hugs with punching. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's been a while since we... It really has been a while since we actually saw this. And so, um, 
Megatron orders a retreat, and the Decepticons follow suit. I love that Laserbeak gets away from Prowl in, like, five seconds flat, despite being caught by Prowl's grapple hook thing. It really makes it seem like he was just toying with Prowl the whole time. He probably was, because Laserbeak is actually intelligent. Yeah. And distracting Prowl, or the guy who might wonder why the hell they did this, seems like a smart thing to do. Well, or the person who's going, golly, where's Starscream and Megatron? Yeah. So, yeah, go. Pretty good planning there. For someone, which was probably Soundwave. Or Laserbeak. I would I think either one would be capable of this. Yeah. Braun yells that Soundwave didn't finish his um, nickel-plated knuckle sandwich as Soundwave flies off. <sighs> Say it with me, kids. Fuck Braun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ratchet tries to chase Rumble, but Rumble turns into a tape to escape his grasp. So he falls to the ground, and then he turns back into a robot when Ratchet tries to pick him up off the ground, and then he flies off, turning back into a tape and hopping into Soundwave's chest. And a good chunk of this is happening while Ratchet is knelt on the ground trying to pick him up in tape mode. Which is just a wonderfully ridiculous sentence. Anyway, the Autobots watch the cons fly away as the moon chills in the background. This honestly just looks like a magical girl anime shot for some reason. I... Now I'm just like, how do you turn, like, the Transformers theme into a magical girl theme? And, uh, has that been done? (laughs) At this point, all that's coming to mind is, like, crossing the Transformers theme and the Sailor Moon theme. I feel like Sailor Moon's not a good fit. There's gotta be a better, a better magical girl theme that's a little bit more action-oriented. Because you've heard, you've heard Sailor Moon, it's a love song. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't really watch a lot of magical girl animes, so I have a limited amount of experience. I feel like, no. Busting it with Utna would actually work better. Yes, Utna's weird as balls, yes, guys. Yes, but I haven't seen that yet. I need to lend it to you because it's weird. Yes, you very weird. It's like my kind of weird. <laughs> anyway, Ratchet comments that it's kind of weird that Megatron ran off so quickly, but Prowl thinks that perhaps they were so quick to respond, they were able to make their goal impossible to achieve. Unfortunately, Prowl, you are extremely wrong here. You're so very, very wrong. You're on a different continent. You're on a different planet. You're ice cold, buddy. <laughs> Can you go, I don't know, south? You're like in the North Pole. But Optimus just looks very squintily into the camera and says that Megatron always has a method to his madness. He does? Yes. I think it depends on the day and the writer. Is he a moron or a genius? The world may never know. How much crack is involved? Also true. The next day, we see the Autobots using the recharge chambers. Oh, and our first victims are Ratchet and Optimus. And uh, this honestly makes me think of... Okay, so the positioning of... (sighs) Okay, with how the beds are positioned, it looks very, very similar to, to the 50s sitcoms. Like, you know the ones, like... Uh, I Love Lucy, uh, Flintstones is not a good example because they did sleep in the same bed. Uh, just 50 sitcoms, yes? Yeah, I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, probably. Um, so basically, because of, you know, morality codes or something, they couldn't show couples sharing beds because sex. (laughs) You couldn't imply sex. Basically, despite if they have children. I just can't get over that. These are the only two beds on the entire arc. It's share and share alike here. I guess all the mini bots pile in. I don't know. Uh, nothing like a good recharge. Give the old bolts some bolts. Some pep in your step? I really hope that's what they meant. 
I don't want to debate the robot physiology. Not here. here. Okay. Not now. Uh-uh. Not the stars. The stars are not aligned. Optimus tells everybody to recharge after he hops out because they got some shit to do, man. Teletrin 1 informs the Autobots of a rocket launch and Optimus orders everyone to the Air Force Base because the Decepticons will obviously be trying to steal it. Uh, it's the only Air Force base in the continental United States, obviously. It's the only thing the Decepticons can pay any attention Apparently, to. Apparently, but this is not before his eyes turn red and he starts to sound real evil, though. Yeah. Everyone else appears to be bitten by the evil bug, too, as their eyes also start glowing. <laughs> we have confirmation that Optimus, Skyfire, Prowl, Blue Streak, Brawn, and Hound have been affected. Teletran can apparently sense evil now as it blasts out about an evil presence being detected. Detected. Honestly, why couldn't Teletran 1 tell if there were evil presences there earlier with Megatron and Starscream? Or any of the other damn times the base has been infiltrated? Because who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Megatron appears to be talking to Teletran 1 directly now and he kind of begins to monologue to it. How the hell is he aware of any of this? The personality thing had a camera slash communication device on it or something? Or, I mean, I guess Laserbeak could have planted cameras. He's a good guy. Yeah. Either that or maybe he's there, uh, considering that in the movie we see him, like, filming stuff. That's also true, but we don't see him in there, at least as far as the cartoon was concerned. That's true. I mean, the Decepticons didn't even see what he was filming until after he turned up, went into Soundwave, and Soundwave showed them. True. However, for that matter, why the hell didn't they just send in Ravage for all this? He he can turn invisible. I don't know. He was off doing something else. Getting a college degree in what? He's taking a course in oil painting. I hate you. And I hate that this is this is the obvious answer here. It's because of you. He's getting a degree in Russian. <laughs> because he's always a Russian. It's It's the only excuse I have for Beast Wars. (laughs) It's definitely your fault, though. (laughs) The camera pans out as Megatron blabs more additional bots that are infected are Ratchet Sideswipe and Trailbreaker, so we did cover it. We did cover it. Megatron orders the Autobots to silence Teletran, and Optimus just punches the fuck out of it. I guess that's one way to handle that. You can't turn it off. Um, But I mean... Oh, maybe you can turn it off, but I mean, someone's going to be real unhappy about that later. Possibly. Whoever the poor sod is that's going to have to fix it. Also, Optimus is probably going to feel like a bit of a heel. I imagine. Outside, we see Bumblebee and Jazz returning back to base with Spike and Sparkplug. Sparkplug was feeling very, very posh today, so they took the posh. (laughs) Apparently, they've been updating Jazz's sound system. I find it really funny that the humans have a better quality sound system than the giant robots. Well, I mean, if high quality sound wasn't something they needed or wanted during war, then it may make kind of a certain amount of sense. That was a good point about, like, resource management. I mean, like, it wouldn't be high on the list of priorities. Can we hear what they're saying? Yes, it's good enough. Yeah. Granted, I don't know. The Decepticons are the only ones who seem to use bugs for anything. Also true. Otherwise, it's Bumblebee overheard it. <laughs> yeah. Bumblebee overheard it, or possibly Hound getting weird radio transmissions, because I think that Oh, right, right, too. when he uh, jacked into Megatron's head. <laughs> yeah. He didn't, but that's really what it looks like. It really is. He had a stupid little radar dish. Pretty much. Yeah. 
And so Jazz stops and they proceed to test out those new speakers. But met Bumblebee's just like, I'm I'm done. I'm going back to base. I love that Sparkplug complains about the volume as Bee's driving off too. Like, Sparkplug, you could have gone with Bee. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but B arrives back to base and somehow initially misses the giant hole punched into Teletran 1. <laughs> he rolled a 1 on this passive perception today. And that's a whiff! <laughs> he got distracted by something else. <laughs> Blue Streak? <laughs> Maybe. Because Blue Streak's being all creepy here and trying to drag B back to bed. I love that B's reaction to this, because uh, Blue Streak picks him up. He He's... Like, no, wait, but he doesn't sound afraid. He just sounds confused. Yeah, it's not the time, Blue Streak. And I mean, this just makes me wonder whether, like, the other Autobots just, like, occasionally pick up the minibots. Yeah, like, do they, do they carry them? Or are they like, we need a nightcap and someone to hug? <laughs> Bumblebee is very huggable, obviously. I don't think Braun would be especially. No, Braun no, Braun is going to sit in the, the robot playpen. <laughs> I don't for being mean to Perceptor. Yeah, I don't think Braun Huffer here would be especially uh, popular with that. But Huffer would just whine all night. He would not be fun. B is very popular as a cuddle buddy. A cuddle bug, if you will. Yeah! <laughs> Jazz manages to get some rock and roll with real rocks with his spe new speakers. Which Sparkplugs calls an avalanche, but wouldn't this just be a rock slide? I don't know. Maybe he's got different parlance, but I think it would just be a rock slide. Who knows? Jazz and the two humans head back to base, arriving just as Blue Streak shoves B into one of the infected recharge chambers. Blue Streak fires on Jazz, but Jazz beans him in the crotch by throwing something. <laughs> what did he throw? Who knows? Did they need it later? Also, who knows? <laughs> B seems fine, I guess? I guess the chamber didn't turn on or wasn't on long enough, but who He's fine. He's not evil. Yeah. yeah. And Sparkplug is able to fix Teletran 1, so I guess he's the one who regrets everything. <laughs> I hope he gives Optimus a good talking to later. Yeah, and Teletran 1 then displays a video of Megatron shoving the thing in the thing, so I guess Teletran 1 knew? You couldn't have said something sooner! You had all night, Teletran! Really? Teletran 1 is just the shittiest priorities, I guess. Apparently... Sparkplug asks how many other Autobots are infected, and Teletran 1 just says all of them. Those beds got an awful lot of use, and Teletran 1 has no excuses for no. not telling anyone. No, no excuses. <laughs> the Autobots crash uh, through into through into the airbase. Welcome to this 30-second interlude, now back to Spike and Co. Teletran 1 warns them about the attack on the base, and B and Spike drive off. Ratchet and Hound are in the front of some building under orders to retrieve the plans for the solar satellite. Inside, we see a female scientist chatting on the phone. She's literally the best human in those episodes, and I have a question. Is this the first we've ever heard of the solar satellite, or it's... I think they might... I can't remember... I think they said it earlier in the episode when, uh... um, when Teletran 1 was like, a solar satellite is going to be... Oh, it's to do with launch. the launch or whatever. Yeah, because that, that's what they're launching. So I think Teletran 1 might have mentioned it earlier when the Autobots were like, oh, we have to go there and protect it from Decepticons, and then, oh no, we're actually evil right now. Okay, okay. But she is definitely the best human in this episode. She's alerted to the two Autobots attacking and then grabs the blueprints for her satellite and books it. 
Meanwhile, we cut to um, Evil Ratchet and Hound stooped over, stalking through the halls. I thought that even Evil, they aren't just destroying everything right now. Even Evil Ratchet's got a delicate touch. Not too delicate. He does smash through the wall slash door to get to the scientist. <laughs> well, I guess you do what you gotta do when you're evil, evil or mind-controlled <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so the latest scientist, whose name is Dr. Harding, breaks a window and then jumps out, cushioning her fall with a convenient table umbrella and then hoofing it off into the distance. Cue scenes of destruction as the Autobots are just breaking all of the shit back at the Air Force Base. Yep, Optimus smashing things and shouting, Destroy! 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 B and Spike arrive on scene with Bumblebee trying to talk some sense into Prime, but he gets punched in the face. He says, Prime! It's Bumblebee! I'm one of your... I'm one of your what's? What am I, anyway? Am I your son? Is that how this works? <sighs> Who knows? Megs busts uh, into mission control like he's the freaking Kool-Aid man. You know, again. <laughs> threatening a scientist who tries to stop his, the launch. Then he destroys a bunch of computers and tells Soundwave to hack the main computer, which looks suspiciously like the bank of computers he just had destroyed. <laughs> they, wanted to, they wanted to save some money. Oh, Gotta reuse that stuff. The Soundwave's just got this itty-bitty little jack in his finger that lets him jack into the computer immediately. And honestly, I'm kind of entertained that somehow the robots are compatible with human computer systems. I mean, I wouldn't put it beyond Soundwave to have, like, purposely thought that far ahead. Yeah. But Either? Just, but, but yeah. Going backwards compatible for something as primitive as a human computer in system the in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Versus they're giant robots from outer space. I mean, well, we could make the argument their tech isn't super as advanced as you'd think, considering maybe they've been stuck since the start of war, but eh? Maybe. It's just they're like four million years old, at least. True. Who knows what tech they have? And also, they're obviously a hell of a lot more tech-savvy than humans, yes. They should be. Um, and then afterwards, he espouses about how the launch can't be stopped now, and in two Earth hours, they'll be on the rocket on their way to Cybertron. So let me get this straight. He went into Mission Control, blasted a bunch of stuff that apparently didn't matter, then had Soundwave reprogram the thing so it'll go to Cybertron. Do they even have enough fuel for that? Do they know? That's really what I was wondering, too. Or is there even going to be enough room for all of them on that, considering that, you know, that sort of thing, it's like a rocket, but most of that is just to convey this satellite into the upper atmosphere. I don't even know if this was supposed there. to be manned. Like, if they were just launching a satellite, I don't even know if there should have been room for people, period. There shouldn't have been any sort of room there. Whatever room there might be is supposed to be, like, fuel tanks or rocket engines. But, but yeah, a lot of the rocket gets dropped off in pieces during liftoff. Do they know that? <laughs> I think they just don't give a shit. I don't know. They don't give a frag. Because they're robots. I mean, I assume that they scope this stuff out, but I mean, I don't know. If Soundwave or the cassettes did recon, they're going to be fine. Seekers did it, they're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my take on it. Back at the Ark, Sparkplug says a bunch of gobbledygook about a thing he made to revert the Autobots back to normal. I call bullshit, sir. But we all know it's going to work because that's how this show works, so carry on. Uh, Jazz simplifies this as a goodness transfusion. Oh, Jazz, we love you. We do love you. We do. You're great. Blue Street gets back up, and Jazz seems to think they've found their volunteer test subject. 
How did they not tie this dude up while he was unconscious? Good question. It's not like Jazz didn't have time while Sparkplug was fixing Teletran 1 and making his goodness transfuser thing. What was he doing? <laughs> For that matter, why the hell didn't Jazz just, like, sit on him or something so that they didn't have to tie if they didn't have to tie him up? Or have anything to tie him up? Yeah. An even better question. <laughs> I don't know, they probably could have locked him in one of the recharge chambers if nothing something. else. Jazz distracts Blue Streak while Sparkplug runs up and sticks the device on Blue Streak's leg. This works as Blue Streak's optics change from red back to blue. And he informs Jazz that and Sparkplug about Megatron's orders to take the airbase and steal the plans for the satellite. The three of them set to work to make more attitude adjusters. Apparently they're not multi-use. <laughs> I have a number of questions including why they're stealing the satellite plans if they're literally going to be stealing the satellite. Megatron wants to cover all of his bases? I guess maybe they want it to, like, review if they're going to digest the satellite or something. Oh, I don't know. Or just make copies of it, but if they have it, they could just... I don't know. I don't know. Meanwhile, Dr. Harding continues to be a fucking badass, climbing into a dumpster to hide from Hound. In heels. I'm pretty sure she's in heels. Yeah. But seriously, I'm in love with this woman. Why isn't she in the series more? She and Carly would have gotten along well. They would have. I would have loved to see that. She, Carly, and, J and Chip. Yeah! Yeah! Science buddies! Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Harding's um, hiding attempt almost doesn't work as Hound begins picking up dumpsters and crushing them. But Jazz shows up just in the nick of time. Sparkplug and Jazz are able to return Hound to normal, but the doctor runs off and right into the still evil Ratchet. Jazz is uh, very on point today, as he stops Ratchet just in time as well. Back at the Air Force base, the Autobots are continuing their rampage, continuing to blow up all of the shit. Yep. And tired of watching this, B jumps on a plane and tells Prime he'll have to destroy him too. And commercial break! By the Toy Skids, Bumblebee's gonna die! And back to the show, Skyfire is in the air blowing shit up. I just feel really bad for him. He's gonna feel super bad if he remembers any of this when he wakes up. Mm-hmm. Sparkplug, Dr. Harding, Jazz, Blue Streak, Hound, and Ratchet arrive on the scene. They're just collecting people. Get, yeah, this is like the superhero movies where you like have to go collect each superhero. I also kind of love that Dr. Harding was riding in Ratchet, who was trying to kill her a few minutes ago. Respect, madam. Respect. Yep. They see Skyfire and then Scarf... <laughs> and then Scarf Plug... <laughs> You see Skyfire and Sparkplug wonders how they're going to get one of the devices way up on him. Hound offers to shoot it with his particle beam gun. Patent pending. They're able to shoot him once they get him to come a bit closer, and then Skyfire returns to normal. And then, now that he's there, they load up and roll out. Still the taxi service, buddy. The scale is incredibly off here because Skyfire just looks like he's bigger than the R. <laughs> you big boy! B is still holding the ground against Optimus, but gets lifted up in the air just as the others arrive in Skyfire. They show up just in time to interrupt the evil Autobots' arts and crafts lesson. With aircraft. There's so much you can do with aircraft. Obviously. <laughs> Look, I can make pretty flowers. Yep. I can give yourself wings. <laughs> Look, Optimus, I'm a seeker! Hound is able to shoot Prowl and Brawn with the personality things, but misses Optimus, who proceeds to chuck Bumblebee across the tarmac. Prime splits into three by way of his trailer roller and himself, so the father, son, and holy trailer. <laughs> yeah. Hound nails the trailer and roller in short order. They miss their chance to hit the three-for-one deal, and now they have to get them all separately. And oh no! 
they're down to their last attitude exchanger. They apparently only had time to make one extra. I'm kind of amused by the fact that they... So the thing is, technically I think they made three extras. I guess you're right, because they missed with one, and then they had to hit two more for oh, the trailer. And, yeah, they had oh, so they had to hit his trailer and roller and then him, so you're right. Technically they made four. Which I, is... That is actually a pretty good margin of error. Yeah, I I, I'll give you that one. You're right. They they were like, okay, we know this many are infected, presumably. And then they made four extra and probably ran out of time, which, fair. Okay, fair. So they, they made an attempt. They did. I gotta give Jazz and Sparkplug more credit here. And Blue Streak, I guess he was working too. Yeah. B yoinks the, uh, the remaining attitude adjuster out of Ratchet's hands and flips it on over to Optimus. Optimus is able to fight the control for just long enough for B to get the attitude exchanger on him. The Autobots realize they must stop the rocket launch to stop Megatron's plan. And Dr. Harding says that it must go into orbit and that Earth needs the energy that it'll supply. Why didn't the cons just steal it from orbit? Because they're dumbasses and we've got to have something to, you know, have drama here. Hey, not have object permanence? Like, oh, we can't see it anymore. It's not there anymore. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. They've made so many fucking spaceships at this point that they just This shouldn't have been a problem! <laughs> How Starscream is clearly space-worthy! They could have just, I don't know, waited a couple weeks and chucked Starscream into the atmosphere! I imagine all the Seekers are space-worthy. I mean, have we gotten to the episode where Shockwave just tried Starscream? No, not space, yet. No. Space? No, not yet. But, but, but yeah, like, we have proof. That at least Starscream is space-worthy, and presumably both the other Seekers are too. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think, um, shoot, what's-his-face Astro Train has come in yet, but he's definitely space-worthy as uh, well. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. And we know Megatron's space-worthy. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you're yeah, right, he can fly. Why am I arguing with he, this? He can fly, and I mean, we already saw him survive a, a planet exploding, or whatever happened I with that. I still don't know how that worked, but, uh... <clears throat> They all load up into Skyfire again and head over to the rocket launch. Megatron rips a door off the rocket and the cons pile in and... That's not gonna cause problems at all here, huh? Oh, it should. I mean, it doesn't mean that it will. This show doesn't operate on reality. But... <laughs> yeah, it ignores so many things. It does. The rocket blasts off and Ratchet and Optimus bail out of Skyfire to land on it. They, um... They're go they're the go team apparently. Where's Wheeljack in this? I feel like Ratchet's missing his buddy. Wheeljack hasn't been in this entire episode, so I have to assume he's taken the Dinobots somewhere. Otherwise, I'd assume they would have all been smashing stuff up like with everybody else. At this point, I just think Wheeljack, Perceptor, and Beachcomber took the Dinobots out for some enrichment and missed the whole thing. I mean. Probably just so they didn't have to fight the Dinobots uh, is why they're not in here. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. That's much nicer. Yeah. They're all out doing swamp science or something. See, I'm just imagining they took the Dinobots to the beach. I mean, like beachcombers that. with them, right? So yeah. they're all on the beach. Uh, Wheeljack is there with whatever robo pina colada is. Uh, Perceptor is taking sand samples. Uh, beachcomber is corralling the Autobots, or the, the Dinobots close to shore. It's a very, very heartwarming family vacation, so Ratchet could get a bit of a break, you know, not having to babysit the dinosaurs. And then they come back, and it's it's like that thing where the guy walks into the room and everything's on fire. That That is yeah. what Wheeljack came home to, and he's like, 
probably a good thing I left. Although, boy, do I hate coming home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Night Ratchet and Optimus have been trying to separate the rocket and the satellite so Optimus can take it into orbit. And Megatron doesn't like this plan. Never mind how this rocket is fucking ginormous for some reason because the clouds are so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Get more exaggerated motions. I'm sorry, you can't see it. <laughs> yeah. The other Autobots want to help, but aren't sure how with how to do it without hurting Optimus and Ratchet until Jazz gets an idea, and I wonder what that idea is gonna be. <laughs> he gets on the outside of Skybar, and I love Skybar so much here. He's like, "Watch the first step. It's a doozy." And of course, all I can think of is. Watch that first step. It's a doozy! <laughs> and then Jazz transforms into car mode. So we have a car riding a jet. <laughs> Specifically, a Porsche riding a space jet. I'm pretty sure that Skyfire's uh, model or whatever was not big enough to do that in Macross, but alright. <laughs> Who knows? And about that Chekhov's gun, or in this case... Chekhov's speakers. Jazz uses his new sound system to create a musical sonic boom. Jazz weaponized music to take out a rocket. Of course he did. Megatron orders the cons to abandon rocket. Ratchet and Optimus land safely on Skyfire, who takes them high enough for Optimus to yeet the satellite into orbit. <laughs> Honestly, why didn't they just get Braun to do this? I. Did we even see Braun? Is Braun here? I don't remember. I don't know. I just, no, I mean, why don't they just hire out Braun services to toss things into orbit? <laughs> <laughs> well, or, like, Perceptor. I know he's not in this episode, but he's in the next episode. It's like, I could see Perceptor shooting something into space with an amazing degree of accuracy. That's true. Probably would take less fuel, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Optimus yeets the stupid satellite into orbit, and it's just goofy as hell. Back at the Ark, Ratchet's yanked out the personality displacer from the recharge stations. This would not have fucking happened if you had more than two beds in the entire Ark! And if they weren't controlled by the same damn thing, like if you, they had separate control systems. Right, so you couldn't just shove the thing in Teletran 1. But everyone decides to fight for credit for saving the day. Ratchet has a fit of temper as he does not want to share and begins to argue with Sparkplug. You wouldn't know a microchip from a potato chip! The Autobots know what potato chips are. Well, Ratchet does, and presumably Spike has eaten potato chips in Bumblebee, so <laughs> he might have had to deal with crumbs. Fair. <laughs> vacuum, yeah. Crumbs. <laughs> hey, Ratchet, I need a good vacuum. <laughs> you need a what? <laughs> and we have a total... On the number of Air Force jets destroyed by the Autobots. Jazz says it's 47. How much is that going to cost the Autobots anyway? Nothing! Optimus says Ratchet and Sparkplug are going to fix them! Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to pass muster for safety tests. And Spike says that they're going to be doing it for weeks. Weeks? Just weeks! Well, I guess when you have giant alien robots doing all the heavy lifting, it's not that bad, but rather they should be putting those back together anyway. They should really just make new ones at this point, because 
Planes have a lot of safety requirements yeah. and stuff. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to want to be in those planes. I wouldn't blame them. And join us next time for episode 27, Microbots. Get ready for a fantastic journey. It's a Megatron. Oh, it's into a world of imagination. <laughs> like nothing you've ever seen. Also, Perceptor. It is a Perceptor episode, and I am delighted. Yes. Also, fuck Ron. <laughs> and we have some fanfic for today, but I think Els gets to be the one to give the recommendations. So, uh, I've mentioned this before, but I have a whole uh, sheet of fics, uh, just in case the Specs forgets to do the fics, and Specs forgot to do the fics, so a I get to two of them today. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened recently. It has been a busy month, guys. It has been so busy. I am so tired. The first recommendation is Quiet by Little Miss Sweetgrass. The continuity is IDW, the rating is G, it is Slash because it is Cosmos Soundwave. Our characters are Soundwave and Cosmos, and Soundwave gets a virus, and suddenly it is very loud. It's a one-shot. It is part of the series. It is very short, but cute, and uh, Coswave is one of my favorite ships ever, which is why they got added to this, because it doesn't exist in G1, and I'm well aware it doesn't exist in G1, so I was like, look, I gotta put them somewhere. <laughs> And then our other one is Here Be Monsters by Lush underscore Specimen. Continuity is IDW, it's G, it's Slash, it has Hoist Trail Cutter, Rodimus Thunderclash, and uh, Minimus Ambus and Megatron. Our characters are Megatron, Hoist, Rodimus Thunderclash, Riptide, and Minimus Ambus. In summary, a late night visit from Hoist forces Megatron to confront the overwhelming personal tragedies created by his legacy of violence. As he contemplates the long-reaching consequences of his words, he begins to wonder if he truly deserves a second chance. This is multi-chapter, but it has been completed. Um, it's just kind of nice. I'm always I'm always here for uh, Lost Light Megatron actually having to think about things and being forced to consider basically his actions. So I really like this one. Nice. Thank you. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Els. Diddles. <laughs> <laughs>